Welcome, everyone, to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. So let's get into it. The Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 605, The Other Thing, is brought to you by Chronicom Charging Pods. Oh, come up and see us sometime. <laughs> oh, my. Pete, so glad to be back with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Meanwhile, over on our Jessica Jones podcast, we have already given our review of episode 301, 302, not too far away as we make our way through the final season of Jessica Jones, the final season of Marvel Netflix. Yes, we'll be bringing those new episodes to you on Sundays and Wednesdays, of course, leaving Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for you on Saturdays when we bring that to you after new episodes on Friday. No rest for the wicked here at Fantastic Geek. Uh, now, Pete, you might ask, how do they measure viewers and whatnot for those streaming services? The answer is they use the number Pluriglos, which normal mortals can't understand. Meanwhile, for broadcast TV, update from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode 604. It retained that 0.5 rating. So anywhere in the 0 0.4, 0 0.5 neighborhood, that means things are steady. And that means our expectations of season 6 continuing to air in its current time slot. And season 7 probably doing the same thing next summer. That just continues to remain steady. The die is cast at this point. We're pretty much playing it out. When we catch you up on what went down, serene music plays. We have a beachscape upon which Melinda May wakes. Coulson is there. And we get intercut with that flashes of her being in Sarge's rig. We stay on the rig. Why is May feeling dizzy? Turns out Sarge had knocked her out. Snowflake is there too. She's admiring May and is off to the next mission. That's going to be largely off screen, Pete. Happy hunting. Now Sarge and May are at their lonesome at last. He's going to turn her as we head to the title card. Mac looks over screens here as Agent Khan comes up to brief him on important information. Yes, it's that Deke Shaw's out of surgery and will be fine. Pete, now's the opportunity where we can say Deke appears in this episode in that line. Deke, member of the cast, part of those cast photos, not appearing in this episode. Tear, tear for me. Yo-Yo eyes Mac from afar and then walks off. But this is new director Mac. He gives chase. He does, and Yo-Yo says that she's been working over the prisoners. That's Jacko and Pax. Pete, they also appear in the episode by way of dialogue and not, you know, actor faces. Uh, one thing that Yo-Yo does not want to talk about, that's Keller's death. Mac feels like he's losing control, both pausing grief. Yo-Yo wonders if Mac actually shouldn't be keeping an eye on Dr. Benson. Yes. Is he up for this? Is he capable of getting to the bottom of the weird mysteries that S.H.I.E.L.D. encounters on the regular? From there, Matt, uh, she tells him that uh, it's uh, Benson that uh, Max should be keeping an eye on 
director and then take us to space. I believe, Pete, it's called Space, Space, Space. Enoch is reflecting. He's on Zephyr 1, I should mention. He's reflecting on his having been a naughty robot boy. Uh, and a course needs to be plotted ASAP. That is, of course, to find Fitz, uh, Fitz, who is Enoch's only friend. But Simmons and Quake say that they're his friends now, too. See, they're all friends. They saved things together, friend. Uh, the prospect of Chronicom Hunters giving up Fitz is low. With that, the power dips. You know it's a tender situation because the red lights appear. There's the usual snappy tension between Davis and Piper. Pete, will they or won't they? I guess we'll save that for our theory segment. Then all of a sudden, they're cornered by a ship. Then many ships. Oh no, to end the act. Act two begins with May glowering at Sarge. If she keeps staring at him like that, his head's bound to catch fire matt is this uh colson and um ghost rider confirmed season six uh i don't know but one can certainly hope that there are story seeds that we can pick at here and pick at there uh sarge though ponders about snow being good at her job but maybe liking it too much uh he also notes that this is the first world he's visited where someone knows his face Pete, take us back to space, space, space. Uh, with those ships converging on Zephyr 1, the plan amongst our heroes is lights out, claws out. Um, a similar ship, we're told by Enoch, had come after he and Fitz. Um, and if they wanted them dead, they could easily cut them in two. So what's the deal? Perhaps it's not a Confederacy ship after all. And then the door opens. It's a woman. But uh, we're told that Atara here is not a woman, but a Chronicom, a deadly one, and no fan of Enoch's. Pete, that, of course, is actress Sherry Somm, who some people may know from your Limetown, your Lock and Key, your Roswell, New Mexico, the TV series. By the way, Pete, uh, what's her character name again? Her name is Atara. How do you know that, Pete? Uh, Because I watch with captions so that important pieces of dialogue and or expository name information is uh, essentially delivered twice. Well, uh, IMDb has it as all Tara. I look forward to IMDb fixing itself in the next couple days. But I digress. Uh, we have Enoch, of course. He He's getting scolded. He is going to be punished for his tampering in the universe. This by uh, Atara, who points out Pete is genderless. Uh, but Enoch is ready to face his punishment. Piper and Davis are put into cells. Hilarity will ensue. That's because Davis is a whiny, can I say it, Pete? Biatch. Wow. Wow. You may have just wrongfully impacted our iTunes rating there, Matt. I'm just quoting Uh, the episode, Pete. I'm quoting Piper. Piper is a strong, independent woman. If she wants to call Davis the B word, you know what? I support her decision. And, and you know what? I'll, I'll back you up on that. Uh, meanwhile, Daisy and Simmons, along with Enoch, are led through the ship by Atara. This once a Confederacy ship. No more. Why not, Matt? 
Uh, because it was necessary to redress a season six set to a season seven purpose. Uh, much like how it's important to put Piper and Davis, the recurring uh, actors, into cells. But Simmons and Quaker taken along, as you said, Pete. That's because their series leads. Um, Atar reveals that Chronica 2 has been destroyed. All the Chronicoms left are with this fleet. Pete, it's like, you know, the 12 tribes have left to find a new place, a new earth. Will the next jump be the jump home for this group of star battle ships? <laughs> Time will tell. Uh, what led to Chronica 2's destruction, however, Matt, were a series of increasingly strong distortions. Then this plague converged on them, and now it's gone Previously, they had been required only to observe and guide events, occasionally with violence. Uh, there is also reference made to how the Confederacy came. The Chronicoms fought down the Confederacy. Uh, anyway, with the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. who have gone back in time, Atara needs, you know, info on how to do that, please, info now. Uh, and Atara has bait. It's Fitz who's there albeit on the holophone, he is on another ship. Help or else. Take us back to the rig, Pete. On the rig there, Matt, the handoff made, interestingly, uh, Fitz asking, so how'd he die? But it really being Sarge asking about Coulson. Uh, had May killed him? No, it's the other thing. Dun, dun, dun. She says, of course, that she's going to make sure Sarge dies and that it will hurt. She knew the real Coulson, his family, his life, his death. Uh, Sarge should be asking who the hell he is. With that, Snow checks in and May gets a burlap bag over her head. We flash back to good times with Phil in green screen uh, Tahiti because they kept the close-ups close and the background's blurry because green screen tahiti colson was intimidated by may back in the day wait too much wine philip colson no it's the other other thing back into the present the bag is off may what is this it's initiation Indeed, she's going to be tested. She has to kill this guy, uh, it being a new guy who looks like a handsome stunt double or, or stunt performer. Uh, she says, no, she won't kill him. Sarge then shoots him in the head, blood splattering everywhere. It's the American Broadcast Company, owned by Mickey Mouse, Fridays at 8. Uh, this is Pete when we used to be, you know, wrapping up a great, great full house and getting ready for, uh, getting ready for, uh, you know, did I do that? You know, now it's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. shooting guys in the head. Uh, he hands May the handcuff keys. She is then left alone with the body, except the dead guy is alive. The parasite back to end the act. Act three begins with fighting and then handsome co-opted stunt doubles mouth opens and uh, Mark Kolpak CGI wizardry. It is a really, really great fight. Uh, 
it is believable that Ming-Na Wen is doing all of this, although some of the tumbles and arm goes in front of Agent May's face, hiding her face from the camera. That's usually how you can tell a great stunt double is is working in there, you know, hiding their face to the camera and whatnot. But it's a really, really solid fight. No joke, hard hits, etc. May takes out his legs and maneuvers him towards the knife. At this point, he spikes out. Then she stabs him. It's over. Sarge opens the big metal door and says he knew that she would come around. Yes, the writhing done in the fight. And then we got some other The Thing action that reminiscent of the 1982 uh, reimagination, a sci-fi classic. Back to the lighthouse. Benson's doing an autopsy. What is this crystalline material, this crystalline entity, perhaps? Who knows? Benson just wants a drink. And Max reminds him, Mac reminds him, if only Mac had taken a chair, turned it around backwards, maybe talk to, <laughs> talk to the camera. When you're 21 and over, you can enjoy a drink or two, but make sure you enjoy it responsibly. That's Director Max, tip of the day. Back in space, Enoch and Atara continue the info share here. Uh, but Enoch explaining that Leopold Fitz is not the problem. They had even recently become best friends. Uh, but as Atara explains, Earth has made him soft and he's not the same Chronicom that she invited into her charging pod he should have never have shared his data port with her oh yeah it's at this point that she tells malachi the bounty hunter to prepare to kill fitz our agents offer up some clues about time travel but knew so little about the machine that brought them hither and yon but fitz could help especially if simmons is in trouble that will motivate her malachi has been told <laughs> not to kill fitz then quake Blasts Atara and some other people to end the act. Benson in the lab here, Matt, joined by Yo-Yo, but she's not there to spy on him again. After all, it was she who had rescued him, killed Keller. If she hadn't, they would have lost the lighthouse. Benson reflects on his husband's death. He was injured in a car crash, left him in a coma. After a few days, Benson had those ventilators turned off, and the family will never forgive him. Benson then explains with effortless, effortless transition uh, the stuff about the blade and how it works. Alien bats, crystalline, etc. Effortless, Pete. Cut to Sarge talking about the Shrike, a basic parasite that uh, Sarge's team kills off. See, Pete? Sarge and company, they're anti-heroes, not villains. Yes, and the supercharging that was going on, we come back uh, to the idea that it was building up. Left unchecked, it would have really been explosive. Deke, he's no strike, Matt. And then we transition back to the lighthouse where Yo-Yo shows Benson the monoliths, space and time, life and death. Time to follow those ley lines. You see, Pete, it's all connected. Uh, back to Sarge. They have to avoid the Pachoko Techek. Uh, 
it turns out that the Shrike apparently are led by a creator. And uh, also, Sarge has been alive for 100 of your Earther years and shall live for 100 more. He's also talking just like Coulson in Tahiti. Every dream is someone else's nightmare. Anyway, bottom line, when the creator arrives, Sarge will burn them all down to end the act. Again, this is a section of episode that had short acts and quick returns to commercial messages. Act five begins with Piper and Davis straining to open a door rather comically. Uh, the other side of the room opens up Daisy and Simmons to check on them and take them away. Pete, they get quickly cornered, okay? That's how it is on these ships. Is it time to fight? Simmons says no. It's the end of the road. It's actually time to help Fitz, to help Atara. Quake isn't going to leave Simmons and Fitz, but guess what, Pete? Simmons leaves Quake for Fitz. Back to the rig. Snowflake la-di-da's with May. May starts to sow some seeds of doubt. You know, hey, Sarge thinks you're too into your work. Remember that line from before? Uh, it does have an effect on Snow, who gets closer to May. Snow gets her clock cleaned with a headbutt. Uh, May gets a length of rope, starts to choke out Sarge, which stops the rig. We get the line, Pete. He was your dream. I'm your nightmare. Because this yep. was written by a professional. Yes, not exactly the greatest line that uh, George Kitson ever put down on a keyboard writer of this episode and in no way the namesake for the planet of Kitson, right? Well, Pete, I don't know about that, but I also don't know about what we get in a quick flashback scene here. Coulson drifting off, perhaps life leaving him, glass in hand, the camera lightly but rather clearly suggesting something terrible that we'll have to talk about in our level seven segment. Yes, shades, potentially, Matt, echoes even of uh, Jessica Jones episode 301, because remember, it's hashtag all connected. Back in S.H.I.E.L.D. HQ, Mac is pondering. Benson comes in. He wants only this, Pete, a Quinjet, a pilot to go to the Yucatan, because after all, Patch Ekutek is an Incan word, and Benson wants to take the long shot and turn over every stone. Pete, we have all sorts of metaphors here. I just wish Benson had said something like, and take it 100 yards down the field to hit that home run. Uh, with that, there's a, a bleep and a bloop and some static. It's, it's, it's Zephyr 1 coming in. Everyone is happy. Yay! There's hugs around for Davis and Piper and Quake. Oh, but that's it. And May just called. She's on her way back, too, to end the act. Our tag scene, Matt, we have Fitz. Enoch comes to visit him. And the confession here that it was he, Enoch, who suggested that Simmons be the one to gain leverage over Fitz, bring them together so that they may come up with the time travel fix in order for the Chronicoms to save their home world. Um, he told him that uh, there was no other way to do this and that Simmons was key to that. 
Thus ends Pete, the episode as directed by famous person Lou Diamond Phillips. The dossier. A detailed look at our bad guys. We begin, of course, with Sarge. Yes, Pete, and a new understanding of Sarge, who, to the surprise of few, I suspect, uh, is out there trying to do a good thing, albeit with bad tools or bad means. Uh, And, I mean, again, I think this could only have been expected that Clark Gregg is playing somebody who is nicer than the worst villain ever, as bad as he might appear. Yes, and despite uh, his physical uh, interaction with May here, surely there must be some good in him. As for Snowflake, she seems good all the time, except when she's enjoying killing people. I think that if we were only going to have one uh, of the supporting you know, evil people on Sarge's crew in this episode. Uh, I feel like she's a good counterbalance to Sarge's steely determination. She's also kind of interesting in that she's the most crazy. And it occurs to me also, Pete, that she might have been there because they seem to be leaning into the uh, informal rule of girls fight girls. Uh, I'll grant you this, Pete. May tied up versus Jacko not tied up. Okay. She's going to lose that fight. So maybe they gave her the one that she could beat easiest, but uh, I don't know all that contributing to the presence of snow in the episode. Particularly enjoyed the simpatico between snowflake and may there. Uh, Snowflake noting how May's always staring at her, that she digs the unyielding warrior vibe, but she doesn't even know what she doesn't know. She's just like an adorable little puppy that happens to really enjoy killing people. Pete, then we have almost the other end of the spectrum in terms of showing emotion. Atara, somebody who very reserved it even had crossed my mind we have enoch's kind of robotic alien uh performance there and i wondered if perhaps the actress was like hey you see what he does kind of do that i'm not saying it was poorly performed but to have two people speaking intelligently and not quite monotone but somewhat monotone back and forth to each other was you know maybe not the highlight of the episode It's an interesting way to bring in more of Enoch's race to present them as antagonists and that there was some pseudo sexual chemistry amongst these automatons. At least as uh, intimate as Chronicoms can get. Uh, Pete, we must mention, of course, Malachi, the former formerly known as the Terminator Bounty Hunter, etc., who has a very, very large gun pointed at Fitz for most of Malachi's time on screen. Because, of course, his name was going to be Malachi, right? Like, no one positive has ever been named Malachi, the greatest example of which being the Stephen King classic, Children of the Corn, Malachi, he wants you too, Malachi. Pete, it... He has the Latin for bad in his name, ergo, he must be very mal. Welcome to level seven. 
Time to analyze and theorize. Pete, did Agent May take on this incredible uh, act of, uh, uh, of both sympathy and kindness and also the incredible burden of, you know, slipping something in Coulson's drink to, to, to end his life in a, uh, in a peaceful way. It would certainly jive with what she's told us. She was there at the end that she saw this happen and it would allow a story save of, well, she didn't calculate his weight or how sick he was and uh, allow her to have been misled about his death. I think as well, it's it's completely in line with the character, somebody who has taken lives before, but we also know to be sympathetic. You know, I think there's a certain... Uh, there's a certain justice to it. It's certainly in the real world, in our world, it's a weighty topic. And I kind of like that amidst all the other madcap craziness going on and battles in the stars and, you know, robot data port sharing and all that, that there's kind of this really honest moment there. The flip side is they also don't kind of linger on it, at least thus far. They kind of put it out there. And if you pick it up, great. And if not, it doesn't change the fact that Colson is still dead. Now, Matt, I want to ask you a question. If I used the time travel device that Fitz, this version of Fitz, does not yet know how to create or manipulate and traveled back to you at this time in 2013 as Fantastic Geek was getting ready to podcast the first season of Marvel TV Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I said, hey, Matt, it's Pete, you know, from the future. And uh, I just want to tell you that season six of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and season three of Jessica Jones, you don't know what that is yet, but you eventually will um, on on this thing called Netflix that you currently have, will both deal with the timely and topical subject of euthanasia. What would your reaction be? Well, first of all, I think I would be pretty open to to the notion of uh, of a time traveler coming to visit. Um, second of all, I would be excited to hear that. Uh, I guess they're now apparently releasing these shows on disc. Then uh, we get to get these shows from Netflix and their discs. Uh, I probably have that wrong. I'm sure they were streaming at that point. But uh, but I digress. Uh, your question is a good one in that. This notion of euthanasia, uh, this notion of uh, either assisted suicide or or putting someone out uh, unbeknownst to them, which of course are two separate topics uh, interlinked, it's it's a big topic. It's a big question, and it is kind of weird to see these two shows deal with it at least in passing, literally on the same day. You know, we we watched Jessica Jones. 301 the day it premiered which was the same day that this episode of shield premiered and uh, what are the odds i hope i hope that's it it's just a weird thing and not that somebody at marvel tv is dealing with a larger issue hopefully it's just as i said a strange coincidence this concept of the shrikes and that they some way signify life and death meanwhile the monoliths allowing movement through space and time and matt a real world 
you know, pseudoscience of ley lines where things intersect. What? There's definitely a lot of story balls up in the air, particularly for a show that will be roughly at its half point this time next week. You know, at the conclusion of 606, we're roughly at the half point of the season. There's a whole lot going on. And I'm not saying I can't follow it, but it's just, it. they've offered up a lot. And I think it's to the show's credit that this is also an episode that takes some of those things away. Yes, we still have Simmons and Fitz in space. Uh, and I would imagine the intercutting between the two. But, uh, but that is to say the Fitz Simmons story and now the main story here on Earth. But we've brought a bunch of the characters, a bunch of the story real estate back to the lighthouse. We're bringing Sarge to the lighthouse. And, you know, this as we approach the middle third of the season, things are starting to tighten up in a, in a way where... Maybe some of this crazy stuff of life and death and time and space and uh, 200-year-old Coulson, you know, and all of that will start to come together with more clarity. Fitz worked with time travel, at least the other version of Fitz, Matt. So, of course, this one's going to be able to do it, right? It's it's a bit of a false conclusion, but I think that Enoch is trying to reach a logical conclusion to serve his emotional desires and his emotional needs. And therein, I think, if it's a story sin, it's excused because Enoch is the one doing it for not entirely logical reasons, though he is attempting to pass it off as logic. Let's talk about the Chronicon homeworld and hookups their uh world taken away from them matt and this idea that they do things that are like human sexual intercourse have we opened up a means of reproduction um as delightful as the dialogue was I I would suspect that though it was meant to suggest a certain intimacy as they view intimacy, I think that it was more the double entendre and the chuckle at home versus the Chronicoms simulating some sort of uh, you know physical intimacy or physical coupling that sort of thing. Uh, I think it certainly suggested, but I think kind of the I don't know the the heartfelt nature isn't quite there. And lastly, from me, Matt, the team back on Earth, minus, of course, Fitz and Simmons. What happens next? I think we have the big confluence of most of these storylines. We have a Daisy catch me up. We get the Daisy Sarge drama that will ensue there in terms of her feelings and him saying, I don't know you. Um I think that we have a solid direction for the rest of the season. It is a bit curious that we have Fitz and Simmons not quite at the periphery, but you know, at what point will they rejoin the main story? Well, it certainly is not next week, and one would expect there's still some time ahead, and at a certain point you go, well, it's five episodes from the end, it's four episodes from the end, they might just stick with it. Uh, questions certainly abound, and I can't wait for next week's episode. Sticking with us, of course, Matt, and making all of this possible are the good people of Patreon.com slash Fantastic Geek. Pete, those are the people who make sure that 
our mics are sounding good, our files are properly labeled, making sure that our back catalog and our future catalog is all sustainable, which is what it's all about, making sure that that future listeners and old listeners alike can uh, enjoy all our blatherings about these TV shows, and we thank those who support us so much. So if you want to prevent the destruction of Fantastic Geek's planet, head yourself over to patreon.com slash fantasticgeek. All it takes is a dollar to get you in the door, all sorts of exclusive goodies after that. Let's check the wire. Pete, we ran our traditional poll on Twitter. That's uh, a new tool we brought over from our Star Trek podcast. Uh, And the four categories were this. uh, One star fake Tahiti thumb down emoji. That got 4%. Two stars decent blank face emoji. That got 6%. Three stars charging pods love in the eyes emoji. That got 31%. And four stars, bestie, hug emoji, 59%. So a bit lower than other episodes, but certainly plenty of enthusiasm for this episode. And whereas the ratings tell the raw information, how many people would be watching the episode, these, of course, Matt, scientific proof people enjoyed an episode. Indeed they are. Also a couple tweets here. The first one from Andre Yeager. That's at Dr. Polo 1983. Glad most of the team is back together. They are moving at a good clip now. And uh, also a tweet from Steve Thurberge. Uh, that's, uh, he says, great episode, May being May. And Fitz and Simmons can't catch a break. Hashtag access to my teleport. Oh, behave. <laughs> Over to Facebook, Matt, where Robert T. Frost writes in, Matt and Pete, a couple thoughts from episode 604, Code Yellow. A super fun and funny episode. The look on Mac's face after seeing the framework Daisy was priceless. I know Dr. Benson is an academic who is obviously not up on field work, nor does it seem that he does much lab work, but... An autopsy without any personal protection equipment? A super silly thought. Did anyone else suddenly hear the R&B slash dance song from the 1980s, I Feel You by Chaka Khan, after hearing Agent Trevor Khan give his name? I know, my age is really showing. Curious thought of the episode, I wonder if Agent Khan is a foreshadowing of a character in the upcoming season seven. Kamala Khan, aka Ms. Marvel, Marvel's first Muslim character to headline her own comic book. She is an inhuman in the comics, so could very easily fit into Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. right next to Quake and Yo-Yo inhumans and Melinda May as another strong independent woman. I think this would be a fantastic, he spelled it properly, Matt, with a PH, opportunity for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Marvel to showcase one of the newest generation of superheroes. Till next time, your friend Bob, P.S., Gemma, and Piper were implied in the above statement also at all. I love his notion that Agent Khan could somehow be related to the future Ms. Marvel. 
Uh, obviously, Khan, a very uh, popular surname, but you know, in the in the scope of the MCU and the scope of Marvel Comics, the odds have to be at least decent, right, Pete? They do, and when you consider this week's rumor making the rounds, Matt, that Mindy Kaling is meeting with Marvel to develop Ms. Marvel. I guess, Pete, the question comes down to this. Is the character of Ms. Marvel one that they would want to launch on S.H.I.E.L.D. and then you know, give to Hulu, give to Disney+, Plus, give to Freeform, or... You know, is there is there the feeling within the hierarchy that all right, Agents of Shield has had a good run, but we're not we're not going to launch things off of it? Uh, maybe we could have a mid ground thing and uh, wait, not launch characters off of it. Stairs in Ghost Rider. Uh, oh, you know what? That's a fair point. That's that certainly is a fair point. I guess I would, Pete. I'm still I'm still hurt by Marvel's Most Wanted not not getting the call up there. The the footage of that episode, that pilot episode, never seeing the light of day but certainly certainly it's more than possible but uh, time will tell on that greg gear also writes in to facebook i love me some agents of shield and i'm thoroughly enjoying this season i find that they are using the humor to counterbalance some of the more horrific imagery r.i.p agent keller However, I never thought I'd have to complain about lazy writing when it comes to this show. But this is now the second time this season where evidently the writers forgot that Yo-Yo can, you know, move really fast. In episode 601, I fully expected her to do a full recon of the museum and report back as opposed to literally just standing there right before the building blew up. And now in this episode, she didn't jump into action right away to snatch, stab, snare, or otherwise subdue the alien bat thing. I love Yo-Yo's character and her powers. Please don't shortchange her on either. Pete, this circles back to something we had discussed a few episodes ago. I know it's out there that uh, last summer at San Diego, people were sworn to secrecy that there was actually the secret renewal that Jeff Loeb actually also didn't know about for season seven but putting that aside for the moment you do get the sense that maybe with some of these some of these little oversights you know is it reflective of a show that is feels it is in the home stretch before it's time to say sad goodbyes and then move on to the next thing oh wait they're going to get told that there's actually 13 more episodes after this season i'm kind of leaning towards yes with some of that but Pete, how can people say yes to you when they want to talk about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 10,537 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I am personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, on Instagram, on Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with the PH, all one word, like it today. Well, for those listening on the Pop Culture Podcast feed, we have more Jessica Jones coming your way. Two episodes between now and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Then, uh, regardless, whether you're here for S.H.I.E.L.D. or the whole, the whole enchilada, we will be back next weekend to talk Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode 606 as we continue to race through this bite-sized season. 
With that, Pete, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. Thank you. Now go home.